love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Well, I hope you had a glorious holiday week. I know we did. Yeah, our our weekend, our week was glorious because we did absolutely nothing. Right, we got all of the uh, mandatory holiday things done in advance so that Christmas Eve into Christmas was just staying at the house in pajamas with the dogs. In fact, you may have seen the photo that we posted Christmas morning of us in our pajamas. We're still wearing those same pajamas right now. <laughs> right, yes. But here we are at the beginning of a of a new year, 2020. Happy New Year, everybody. Do you are you doing a, a new year resolution? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Um last year I resolved to go to the gym more often, and Mm -hmm. so I I went and got a a gym membership. Mm -hmm. Um, This year, I resolve to um, either use it or cancel it. Sure. One or the other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a a good plan. Sure. You know, baby steps. I think that's important. Um, I got a treadmill this year, which actually makes things a lot easier for me because I don't have to go somewhere to do something, which Mm -hmm. is nice. Um, I don't tend to make uh, resolutions because I feel like if I want to be better, then I should be willing to be better at any point during the year. Right. Um, But I do like the idea of resolutions. I've just never been very good at making them, I guess. One great thing, one great way to uh, to start the new year is by letting you know that um, quite a bit of money was raised for a very important cause. Yeah, we were talking about this um, during the holidays or coming up to the holidays. We had a fundraiser that we were teaming up with Himalaya for, and, um, you know, it I don't want to get all into it, but it had to do with our premium channel and subscribers and so on and so forth. And anyway, um, Himalaya and, uh, with us and and our participating shows were able to donate uh, almost $600 to end the backlog. So that's pretty awesome. And thanks to those of you who participated in that. means a lot to us. Do you go first or do I go first? I, I go, forgot. I, I know. It's been a while. I, I'm going first. Okay. Here we go. Okay. You know, we all have this 
I think, hidden desire to find lost treasure or a, uh, a valuable object at like a yard sale or maybe on eBay or at Goodwill. Of course. That's why I love Antiques Roadshow so oh, much. Love it. Well, here are a couple of stories about people that found treasures or valuable objects in unexpected places. Back in October of 2012 in Rome, uh, a couple of guys, Mirko Curdy and a friend, lost their cat. Their cat got out of their apartment Aww. and took off. It was like 10 o'clock at night on a Tuesday, and the cat headed toward a, a low rock cliff, which was close to his home, in a residential area of the city. So they followed this cat, and uh, the cat somehow managed to get into a grotto, and they followed the sound of its meowing. Okay. Inside the small opening in the cliff, according to the Guardian, the uh, the two guys found themselves um, surrounded by niches that had been chiseled into the rock, similar to those that were used by the Romans for um, the burial or actually the uh, the placement of funeral urns. Oh, okay. And there also appeared to be tons of human bones scattered about on the floor oh my. of this grotto. So they called archaeologists to the scene, and they said the tomb, it was a tomb, and it probably dated from somewhere in the first century B.C., maybe between that and the second century A.D. And uh, because the niches were used to store ashes in urns, the bones had probably tumbled into the tomb from a separate burial space, which was higher up inside the cliff. Oh, wow. Now, they had not noticed this opening in the cliff before. It was pretty obvious. They speculated that there had been some heavy rains in the weeks prior mm. and that the rain had probably caused the rocks that were concealing the entrance to the tomb to, uh, to crumble. It was a very soft kind of rock. And it was often used in that area throughout uh, the centuries because it was easy to chisel into. They used it for burial purposes, uh, you know, tombs and that sort of thing. That makes but, sense. but because of it being so soft and because of the elements, most of them, or a good portion of them, they are estimating, have never been found because they, you know, they just get buried. I would imagine. And also with that kind of soft rock, I bet there's a lot of collapsing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, the word grotto, like I, I get what it means, but when I first hear it, I immediately think of some sort of like late day cafe. <laughs> I'm going to head down to the grotto and get a cafe, you know, coffee. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why, but that's what it makes me think of. Now, you would think that a discovery like this would be received by the locals with uh, much excitement. Uh, not so much the case. They're irritated now because uh, it was the discovery was pretty close to an I Ikea store and uh, all the cars had to park further away from the store as to not contaminate the area while they uh, while the archaeologists dug it up. They had, oh, okay. they had to walk a little extra distance to get to the Ikea. Wait, was this in America? No, it's in Rome. Oh, Okay. It just seems like a very uh, American reaction <laughs> yeah, well, to a historical find. People are people. Curdy <laughs> <laughs> said uh, it was amazing, though, to wander into a tomb so close to his house that mm. he'd been living there for years and had no idea was there. He said it was the most incredible experience of his life. And you'll be glad to know they found the kitty. Oh, good. Okay. I found this article, article in the New York Times. In 1953, Frank Lloyd Wright... Mm introduced a demonstration house at an exhibition of his work in New York and uh, was put on display ultimately at the Guggenheim Museum. 
That's a fun word. Guggenheim. I loved him in Police Academy. <laughs> the house was torn down in 1954 after the exhibition was over, and uh, it pretty much joined the ranks of many other Wright buildings that have been lost over the years. After the house was taken apart, Wright sold it to uh, a real estate dude whose name was Hayward, Harold Hayward. Hayward became ill, and he sold the house to a guy named David Henkin. Now, he was the contractor that actually put the building up in the first place. Henkin tried to sell it, but he had no luck. One buyer declined because the house didn't satisfy legal minimum cubic foot requirements in his town. Another said no because the local building inspectors didn't approve of a flat roof because, you, you know, oh, sure. his yeah. style was, was very boxy. Yeah, it's not real smart to have any of those in like the Northeast where you see mm. a lot of snow, etc. Right. So he gave up trying to sell it in the 50s and just moved on to other other projects, but he stored it. In the basement of a building that he owned, all the pieces he stored in a basement of in this building. That's nuts. And he forgot about it. What? Well, he just didn't forget about it, but he just, he didn't do anything with it. In 1984, he remembered the house and he didn't want to have to deal with trying to sell it. So he gave it to the television station WNET in New York as part of their annual fundraiser, PBS fundraiser. Oh, okay. So the news of this got out, especially in the architecture world, and people started just losing their freaking minds. Yeah. The head of the archives of Wright's old estate said, we were completely unaware that this house still existed. <laughs> a former resident of the Society of Architectural Historians called it quite a find, really quite exciting. And one of uh, Wright's biographers commented, it's something somebody will be able to make a lot out of. There will have to be takers for this. The house has a complicated history. It was originally created as a means of focusing public attention on Wright's long career. He was 86 years old by the time the house was erected. Interest in producing serious architecture that could be affordable to the average family was what Wright's goal was the house was a special New York addition to a large exhibition of photographs and models of Wright's work called 60 Years of Living Architecture. The house cost initially $15,000 to erect. At least that was the original plan. And, and this it, was in 53, 50, is that correct? 53, 54. Mm -hmm. That's what they projected the cost to be, but it actually turned out to be closer to $46,000, which was a princely sum then. Sure. So the house goes up for auction, and the bidding started at $50,000. But a spirited bidding war broke out, and the home was ultimately bought by the owner of the Detroit Tigers at the time, uh, who was a, a big right buff. Um, he also owned Domino's Pizza. He bought it for $117,500. Now, he bought the house to put it in a museum he was building to honor the architect. Aww. The museum is located at the Domino's Pizza corporate headquarters because he also owned Domino's Pizza. Sure. <laughs> That's an amazing combination of interests. <laughs> Baseball, pizza, and... And Frank Lloyd Wright. I like all those things. In 2011, a woman in Poland, a 56-year-old woman in Poland, notified police that uh, she was afraid somebody was trying to steal her husband's property. And uh, she handed them a, a CD with a lot of images on it, pictures, mm -hmm. photos. 
of what the property was, they looked at it, they realized that they weren't looking at just a bunch of like junk in a, in a, in a shed, but hundreds of Renaissance and Baroque paintings which they thought was a little peculiar because the husband was a 92-year-old former bricklayer, not exactly the kind of guy who would have a uh, priceless collection of, of rare art. Sure. So the police arrived at the home, and they found that the, quote, shed that his stuff was stored in um, was not really a shed. It was a two-story building with 20-inch thick doors, and it was full of valuable paintings. The oldest one came from 1532. Now, you would think that these priceless works of art, many of which have been lost for centuries, people didn't know where they were, would be stored in a climate-controlled, safe area, when in reality, they were just kind of piled up on the floor with garbage on top of them. No. Just strewn about. Many of the paintings, unfortunately, were in pretty poor condition. Almost 300 works of art. And they tried to price the collection, but they couldn't do it immediately. All they could say for sure was that it was worth millions and millions of euros. Now, the guy who owned him, they only identify him as Antoni M., was charged with handling stolen art. Because obviously, he couldn't afford to buy all this stuff. What was going on? A lot of the paintings bore marks from museums, art that had been stolen from museums. Interesting. One lithograph was recognized as lost during the Nazi reign. I knew it. I knew there was a Nazi connection. There's a Nazi connection. Nobody knows for sure how this happened. Maybe he got his hands on a bunch of looted art that the Nazis left behind as they retreated from Soviet forces in Mm -hmm. Poland, which seems like a pretty likely possibility. Another theory is that he somehow dug up the collection in the 1960s during a building project. But he's not giving up the the secrets on how he acquired all this art? He is not talking. And the reason is, shortly after the uh, collection was discovered, he suffered two strokes, with which left him unable to communicate. So now, nobody knows. I have another question. Why did his wife think that someone was trying to steal the art? Like, why did she go to the police in the first place? Yeah, she had just seen people kind of uh, skulking around this building. Mm-hmm. It was relatively close to their home and suspicious activity. And um, so she reported that. And that is what led to this discovery. Now, do we think that she did not discuss reporting that with her husband first? Because it seems like if he had been keeping it quiet all this time, probably right. he didn't want it reported to the police. And <laughs> I can't imagine like dinner that night. Like you did what? There is another possibility. They say that possibly uh, an art dealer used to own the house and he merely left a whole bunch of paintings there when he moved away. Mm. But if that's the case, it would seem unlikely that they had cataloged everything on, on a CD-ROM with, with all the photos of the, uh, of the merchandise in there. It, it, it just seems like, uh, in my opinion, I'm, I'm thinking it's, it's stuff left over from the Nazi retreat. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Because there was a lot of Nazi treasure in Poland at the time. So that makes sense to me. That's really interesting. Can you imagine what the American pickers would have done if they'd... <laughs> If they'd wandered into that building. Yeah, you know, I I was really looking for an antique motorcycle today, so yeah, I'm going to have to yeah. pass on this Rembrandt. Yeah. <laughs> Will you take five bucks? Are we doing it? 
We're doing it. And now, that thing in the middle. Here are some well-known products with very strange or at least unknown histories. Number five. Did you know condoms are tested with an electrified penis? I did not know that. Yep, it's a stainless steel dong. It's called a mandrel. It uses an electronic field to check for little pinpoint holes in condoms. Well, it's not really a penis then, is it? It's just a... Okay, anyway. Number four. Fanta was thrown together because of Hitler. So the German branch of Coca-Cola created the fruity beverage to get around trade embargoes during World War II. And the name comes from the German word for imagination, as they were told to use their imaginations to come up with the name. Ah. Yeah. Number three, toilet paper rolls were originally cut down wrapping paper rolls. Seth Wheeler patented rolls for perforated wrapping paper in 1883. And when that didn't sell well, he just you know, decided to move on to uh, toilet paper. It seems insane that wrapping paper was created before rolls of toilet paper. Yeah. I remember my dad telling me stories about when he grew up uh, in the uh, 40s. They lived on a farm that did not have electricity or plumbing Mm. when he was really young, and he had to go out to the outhouse in the middle of the night. Sure. Which was a pain in the ass to do when it was the dead of winter. Of course. In northern Maine. But he said even worse than that was having to wipe with a Sears catalog. I imagine. Those glossy pages are not very absorbent, I don't think. I wouldn't think so. Did they really use a Sears catalog? And a phone book. When I was a young person, we had a camp in northern Maine uh, where we had an outhouse. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was my only experience with an outhouse and hopefully will be my only (laughs) experience with an outhouse. Yeah. Um, Number two. Graham crackers were intentionally created to give you no joy. Reverend Sylvester Graham preached a life of temperance with no physical pleasure, either from sex or from food. So he'd, uh, <laughs> he made these graham crackers because they were sustenance without pleasure. Wow, those were different times. And number one, the first Nike shoe was made with a waffle iron. Bill Bowerman noticed over breakfast that a waffle pattern was just right to make up uh, light soles with a good grip. So when you're running on your Nike shoes, you can thank the waffle iron. Smart. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's 
A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With 30% more tasty nutrients to help turn mealtime into fun time. This is the Box of Oddities. One of the things that, that I did, I spent a lot of time over the holidays just kind of reading through social media comments, trying to get caught up on, on some of the stuff that's been yeah. happening there. And Rachel sent us this message, or she posted it. She mentioned that we had talked about some of our subjects end up being icebreakers mm. at parties. And she said, yeah, for icebreakers. Right. Here's one. Rachel writes, I work in construction and we were having a morning meeting for what we were doing that day. The foreman asked if anyone had anything interesting to share that nobody else would know. Before I could stop myself, I blurted out, flatworms fight with their penises and the loser turns into a girl. (laughs) Stunned silence followed until one of my coworkers said, what the hell, Ray Ray? I am now not allowed to distribute random facts at meetings. Well done, Rachel. I think that many a meeting would be improved by that kind of input. (laughs) Thank you, Rachel. And so for the first time in 2020, I ask you, what you got for me? What, what you, what, what you, what you got for me? What, 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 what? 
you got for me? All right. So, <laughs> so we have uh, talked about the Motor Museum before. Yes. And uh, the we went there, and it was amazing and life changing, and uh, simultaneously uh, one of the best days of my life, and also incredibly upsetting. Uh, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're not familiar, the Motor Museum is a medical museum located in Philadelphia, and it contains a collection of anatomical and pathological specimens, as well as uh, antique medical equipment and uh, wax models of terrible, terrible things. We spent a glorious morning there Mm. about a year and a half ago. It was wonderful. And it was one of those last minute trips that you kind of just decide, yeah, we're going to do this. And that made it all the more magical and exciting. And then on the way out, I was like, I feel nauseated. (laughs) And you were like, me too. And it was funny because the people coming in were all smiles and so giddy and excited. And you could tell that there was just like, yes, this is something we've been looking forward to. And the people coming out were like, pasty white yes. and obviously upset. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, there's just a lot. And and when you're in there, as you mentioned, going in, people are jovial and they're mm-hmm. excited. Then you get in the inside and it's a real somber atmosphere. It's yeah. like being at a funeral. Yeah. And understandably so. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on there. That uh, was, yeah, as you mentioned, kind of a last minute trip. We, uh, we were flying back from Ecuador. We had a six hour layover in Philadelphia and you said, what are we going to do for six hours? Hey, that's where the Mutter Museum is. So we ended up spending a glorious morning there. Yeah. um, That's something that I really appreciate about you is that you are willing to look at things that normally could be a bummer as an opportunity. So if I'm like, hey, uh, if we have to have a layover, why not make it a longer layover at a place where we can do something? Right. And, And you're like... Yes, let's do that. And, and we did. And we did. Um, so that's how we ended up at the Motor Museum. And it was amazing. We, we signed the guest book, too. So if you find our name in the guest book, <laughs> screenshot it. Send us a picture. Yes, please. Um, the Motor Museum, as I mentioned, has so much incredible stuff, um, including the Motor American Giant, the tallest human skeleton on exhibit in North America at 7-6, which is nuts. Just the skeleton. Yeah. So the the Motor Museum is uh, amazing and incredible and all that, uh, but not particularly unique. Um, there are other museums very much like this all over the world. And uh, that's what I'm going to talk about a little today is uh, other motor museum style museums. Okay, cool. So uh, the Museum Rolik. So uh, that is one of the largest collections of human deformities in the world. It began as a private collection by Professor Gerardus Rolik in the 18th century, and it's located at the University of Amsterdam. Um, It's also known as the Museum of Mutants. So not the most loving and kind name that I think we could think of. Um, So the museum has uh, most famously uh, lots and lots of jars of preserved anatomical specimens like uh, conjoined twin fetuses, embryos, skulls, and uh, even, of course, the, uh, the artifacts known as the mermaid fetuses. One more reason to want to go to Amsterdam. I know. There are so many. 
So very often you will find these kinds of museums in uh, universities mm -hmm. uh, or uh, learning hospitals. Um, you will find them sometimes in like creepy back alleys. It's it's <laughs> interesting because they're either places where um, they're for learning and therefore they're kind of respected and maybe not out in the front of the building, but mm -hmm. um, they're 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 a place of learning and it's kind of a, a serious place. Or you get a guy out front. <laughs> with a cane conducting a ballyhoo. <laughs> it's like um, that uh, Museum of Death that we talked about before, where yeah. it's kind of like a circusy kind yeah. of environment, where yeah. maybe it's not presented in the same kind of manner. But it does seem to be kind of either or. Sure. The museum that caught my attention that made me want to talk about this is, though, called the Museum of Sin. And it huh. is a collection of medical oddities. So you know how fables are, uh, they're kind of like fairy tales, they're stories, but the, the point of a fable is always to teach a lesson. Sure. So if it doesn't teach you a lesson, it's not a fable, it's a fairy tale. Um, and that's something that I actually learned not too long ago. Anyway, so this museum is kind of like the fable of museums um, in that it is a collection of medical curiosities that are meant to teach lessons. So the guy that uh, cultivated this collection, his name is Yuri Shutskin, and he amassed this very um, unique collection and put them on display in his Museum of Sin in hopes of warning people against a range of vices that oh, okay. he believes to be uh, dangerous uh, slash wrong, you know. So Yuri worked in a morgue for about 35 years. And so he saw the effects of certain uh, behaviors on bodies. Like smoking. Like smoking. Okay. Exactly. All right. So these uh, are legitimate scientifically based warnings. Well. Well, because, you know, the Museum of Sin kind of leads one to believe that the overall meaning for this is that if you're bad, you're going to be deformed in yeah. some way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, his, he has a very uh, opinionated view of how one should live their life. And he said that he doesn't feel bad about being opinionated because he's seen for 35 years the effects of certain behaviors on people's bodies. All right. Give me some examples. So. Um, when you go to the exhibit, on the entrance is a plaque, and it said, this is a place where the dead teach the living. And uh, the idea is to present the consequences of, you know, the cigarettes or the uh, indulging in alcohol visually. So it is meant for learning, uh, but also for the general population, and it's a little bit of finger wagging. I went to see Body Works in Boston, and they had healthy lungs next to mm. somebody who had smoked for 40 years. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Yeah. And um, I think it's really interesting to learn like the effects of quitting smoking and how quickly those effects yeah. start to take place. Like mm -hmm. there are some things that um, start to affect your body almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And then some things that will take years and years and years to recover based on, you know, how long you smoked for and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, that's not the point. Okay, here we go. Okay, so there uh, there are three sections in this museum. Uh, the main section with the various uh, 
preparations, the mm-hmm. the things to show you. Uh, there's also an extensive library on medicine, including rare and old editions. Uh, and then there's a memorial exhibition uh, devoted to a medical specialist whose name was Luke. And uh, so there's a part of the, the museum that's kind of dedicated to that, that surgeon. So the Museum of Sin contains containers with limbs and organs and human embryos and uh, various bits illustrating the consequence of behaviors, as we've said. According to the website, they have approximately 835 items, and the number of rare-slash-collector items, which seems like a weird thing to call them, (laughs) um, is about 675. So, yes, you will see the effects of smoking on lungs. Um, You will see examples of kidney disease, allegedly the result of abusing alcohol. You will also see the amputated hip of a young man who uh, gave himself a tattoo in an effort to lure a woman. So his oh. his lust uh-huh. uh, led him to losing his leg. One of the seven deadlies. There's also the severed finger of a man who allegedly was a philanderer. And while leaving the home of his uh, lover, uh, got his ring caught on a fence post and uh, ripped his finger off. So there you go. That's what happens when you cheat. You lose your fingers. So some of these, as you can tell, may be a little more of a stretch. Yeah. There's also a skull on which a quote-unquote horn grew on the head of a burglar after he was hit in the head with a hammer while breaking into someone's house. Um, So probably that's not what happened at all. But Hmm. um, Yuri saw that as an opportunity to teach people that you shouldn't do bad things because then you'll end up in the Museum of Sin. I wonder, I'm sure that, you know, there are many displays there that uh, are legitimate. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how many yeah. he kind of fudged the story. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, can you prove to us that the burglar was hit in the head with a hammer? And if he was, who's to say he didn't have that little horn prior to his uh, head injury? We right. don't know. <laughs> also, where does he get all this stuff? Did he just collect it over the years working at our funeral home? And wouldn't that be illegal? What kind of a... He's going to end up as one of his own displays. <laughs> I was just thinking of like the most elaborate stories that would have led to a display. Like maybe he comes across some sort of broken leg uh, bone and he's like, ah, broken leg bone. See, that's what happened uh, when a man who spent uh, his whole life just eating and being lazy uh, mm, decided right. that uh, he needed to run after the ice cream truck and then <laughs> broke his leg, leg broken, sloth, sloth. gluttony. Yep. Leg broken. And maybe he has somebody that works at his museum that writes up these histories. <laughs> like, like the guy who writes the fortunes and the fortune cookies. That's his job. He just sits in the back room and says, okay, now I've got a busted femur. Okay, fat guy <laughs> in an ice cream happen? truck. Okay, yeah. good. I'll do that one. <laughs> I think that could be kind of a fun exercise, actually, is coming up with the most outlandish <laughs> story that led to a very simple injury. Yeah. Like, oh, nosebleed, huh? Well, see, what had happened was Bill, Bill was a very greedy man. And so he spent many late nights at the office. And the office was next door to a business that sold 
dehumidifiers. And so the dehumidifier, uh, the dehumidified air made its way into the office building where Bill worked. And year after year, Bill had led nosebleeds. Mm-hmm. Greedy. He was greedy and, he, and now he has nosebleeds. The end. That would be a, a really long plaque <laughs> at the museum. Anyway, that's the Museum of Sin. It reminds me a little bit of that um, park that we talked about a while ago, where it teaches those those lessons through the the art oh, in the park. Yeah, where was that? Like, uh, uh, Taiwan. I don't remember. You know that uh, he has got a display with uh, somebody that died of syphilis. You know that that's got to be one of his oh, yeah. uh, his displays. And that teaches you about pride. Sure. Okay, it, because you said pride because that is one of the seven deadly sins that we haven't mentioned yet. Right. Okay. And also uh, dehumidifier. And, um, <laughs> All right. See, because there was a... Sure. Bill and his nosebleed. Any hoozle. <laughs> yeah, we we definitely have to go there. Oh, yeah. Amsterdam is on our list of places. Oh, that's the go. other one, though. Oh, where was that one? The Museum of Sin? It's in Russia. In Russia. Well, I want to go there too someday. There's not many places I don't want to go. Well, there's a few, but I'm open to pretty much anything. I want to go pretty much everywhere, but there are some places that I can't go uh, because of policies in their country, and I can't, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, I can't, right. can't really support those countries mm-hmm. and spend my terrorism dollars there. But um, once you get your shit straight, I'm all about it. And if you've never traveled to uh, one of our live shows and you're in the Washington, D.C. area, the end of this month, the 29th, we're going to be at the Comedy Loft in Washington, D.C., which is uh, DuPont Circle, right right by DuPont Circle. I cannot believe how quickly this is coming up. I'm so excited. The, and I finally decided on my topic. Woo! I'm still struggling with that, but uh, I've got a couple of weeks still. And then the 29th of February, again, we're going to be at the Bijou Theater, the historic Bijou Theater in uh, beautiful downtown Bridgeport, Connecticut. Tickets are also available on our website for that show. Theboxofoddities.com. Oh, also, we've had some people sharing their uh, holiday gifts of merch. Yeah. And I want to see all of your merch. Please send me pictures of you in your Box of Oddities shirts, etc., or any neat things that you have for Christmas, really. Yeah. It's good to be back. We missed you guys. We look forward to uh, seeing you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. 
Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.